Thanks for tuning in to episode 24 of the Coach Fury podcast. Do you tune into a podcast? I guess you search in. So thank you for searching in to this show. We're wrapping up four weeks back-to-back of powerful women in fitness with one of my favorite Strong First team leaders, the creator of the I Am Not Afraid to Lift workshop, the powerhouse behind Iron Body by Artemis. That should have given it away. It's my friend, Artemis Scanalides. Artemis and I go back. We talk about how we met. I feel like she's been one of my friends for as long as I've been in this game, and almost has been, but she's just one of those people that feels like I've known forever. So I'm very excited for you to hear episode 24 with my buddy Artemis, um, and shouts out to her fiance, Eric, who's, they're just awesome people. Uh, I, I love that they're a part of my life and whenever we get to hang out. Um, things happening in the world of Fury right now. Classes have started in Gowanus at my place. Folks, if you want to train with me, we got a small and powerful crew of people coming in for my small group classes. Um, still doing online training, still doing personal training. I've got spots on online training. Not many, though. I'm keeping that stuff in check. I'm not trying to expand that. If you've heard my podcast, you know I'm keeping that real. So visit coachfury.com for any way to train with me, including any of the several courses I have coming up, uh, including an RKC2 coming up in May. I've got Original Strength coming up in May as well in Austin, Texas, and in Vermont in April, and in June in Connecticut, and just uh, an expanding course lineup this year. Um, it's just awesome folks getting to teach. So all the stuff about me is at coachfury.com. Hey, if you dig this show, honestly, if you dig this show and want to show it a little bit of extra love other than a like, though I will gladly appreciatively take that like, head on over to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Coach Fury podcast and become a patron. Now, that means you can donate like a buck or two, whatever you're comfortable with, to the show. And it's going to help me grow this thing out. I'd like to buy some mics. I'd like to get some gear. I really love working on this show. Uh, It's become a bright spot of every week, getting to talk with friends, make new friends, and share it with you all, right? Um, When you tune in, hashtag search in. So patreon.com slash Coach Fury podcast. And don't feel weird if it's only like a buck. Like, that's awesome, right? Like a small ripple leads to a big wave. Uh, I'd love to buy microphones and a mixer. And uh, Die Mighty t-shirts are still available. Head on over to teespring.com slash live long die mighty. Teespring is T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G dot com slash live long die mighty. That awkward pause was me actually spell checking it in my head. So that's what's going on in my world. Listen up, here comes my friend Artemis. Welcome to episode 24. The one thing that uh, I was trying to think, Artemis, of the first time we met, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I feel like we've known each other now for, I mean, it has definitely been a minimum of six years, but I feel like you and Eric have been a part of like my fitness life since the start. Was it, when, when was the first time that we met? It was in 2012. I want to say it was at an RKC. Was it Philly? Was it or the Dominican? It was Philly. It was Philly. Yes, that's that's where it was. I remember meeting you when we were when we got to the certification and we were unloading bells and setting up for that weekend and everything. That was when I first met you. I thought yes. so too, but for some reason, like uh-huh. I was really trying to separate all the times we've like hung out together or taught together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I couldn't think of the first exact time because it's, that came to mind that it was Philly, but I feel like we've known each other longer. Anyway, so that I don't want to like... Six, but six years is like... I was thinking about when I went for my... Get, when I got my RKC level two, and that was that same year. It was earlier that year in 2012. And like, that's a long time. Yeah. That's like, like that was like six years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. I had this moment just... Just like literally two weeks ago where all the time that I've like been presenting or whether I've been on a podcast as a guest or even on this show, which has only been going mm-hmm. on since September, I, I keep talking to myself as, as like I'm relatively new to this. And then I realized like this is the You're year, not. like I'll hit eight years that I started as a part-time, you know, mm-hmm. and coming up on seven full. And that's like, again, not seasoned veteran or anything, but certainly not brand new. And that was eye-opening. Yeah. 
but yeah, for some reason, I feel like our relationship goes like way further back, but I went through my RKC in 2010, my level one Mm -hmm. in 2011, but that was, I'd assisted a bunch of HKCs at Five Points Academy, but the one that we did was the first time I assisted an RKC. Yep. And it was a good one. It was kind of like, that was the transition one. The split had been announced. I don't even know if Strong First had a name as of yet. Um, right. Like we were, we were waiting to hear what this was all going to be. So this was one of the last of like the final three of the, the bigger RKCs as that transition was happening into two separate groups. It was when, uh, Annie Vo, my good friend, Annie Vo was with us on that one. And that's where that was when I met her, I think for the first time too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when the divorce Mm -hmm. had happened or was becoming like Mm -hmm. a real thing. Uh, anyway, jumping, we jumped ahead a little bit. Uh, Yeah. We haven't really said much about you other than what I said in the intro. So when I met you, you and Eric had just opened a relatively bigger facility for a, for a boutique facility um, outside of Boston. And mm-hmm. then a couple of years later, you actually host, hosted me. You brought me over for DVRT level one, level two at a smaller one, which yeah. was adorable and kind of perfect. I think like, and you and I and, and Eric had like really good, it made such good business sense on that. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, huge move um to vegas before we get into the whole why is that's all happening i I do want to let people know a little bit more about you so you had you you still have iron body by artemis but you have you you were Mm -hmm. owning iron body studios um we're going to talk about this but you you have your own course that you've created that's done very well i am not afraid to lift you're a strong first team leader i know you've got this martial arts background black belt um but you're one of my friends that's like I think a lot of us have grown into titles and being able to present and having like a bigger, uh, a slightly bigger awareness of who we are. But you're mm-hmm. one of the first people of my friends that really started setting out like your own brand, for lack of a better phrase. Like people just started knowing who Artemis is, whereas in kettlebell land, we can talk about like uh, the power of initials and groups, whereas, but like most gen population people might not know anything about that. And you were the first one where, like, I know, like, you've got some lady ninja friends at MFF that were, like, all about Artemis. Like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. your name rose above the organization stuff. And you know who they are, actually. But, like, beyond just those two, um, you you, you just got noticed. So tell uh, everybody a little bit about yourself, like, quickly, any of the gaps that I might not have filled. And then let's Mm -hmm. talk about um, the the growth of Iron Body and the transition into Vegas from there. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started out part-time in this industry 15 years ago as a spin instructor, and then I transitioned full-time in 2008, which is 10 years ago now, and um, I started out working in a commercial gym, and well, for two commercial gyms. I was working for one as a group fitness and personal trainer, and then one just for group fitness, and then I started running, um, having some private clients on the side, and so I did that. At the time, I was living in Northern Virginia because I went to the George Washington University. So I stayed down there and lived in that area. And then I moved back to my hometown of Boston in 2009. And I continued to work for those two gyms. And that's when I met Eric, my fiance. And we went, uh, we went and got our RKC Level 1 certification together. And then that's when we opened up Iron Body Studios. Um, he's an athletic trainer, so he was working for Boston University as a senior athletic trainer, and he needed, a, he wanted a change from the, the grind of, of his profession, and he really, he was very interested in, uh, in opening up a, a facility, and so it was something that, you know, we did together, um, and we did that for five years, and, um, and then uh, I guess we'll get into, like, what happened with you know what we the decision we made around that uh but as far as being a strength coach for me my background is you know I started out as ballet dancer and then I transitioned into kung fu and I I went on to get my black belt in kung fu and that same year that I got my black belt in kung fu was when I started to train with kettlebells and I just fell in love with kettlebells and became obsessed with with them (laughs) and um they became a huge part of what I did as a strength coach and um and I my clients I got them to just completely love kettlebell training and um and then after that I discovered when I went through my RKC I discovered the Iron Maiden challenge so I started training for that and that was my first effort really focusing on training for strength like just 
going in just getting motherfucking strong. For those that don't know, so, the Iron Maiden is a three-skill um, test for women, and the Beast Tamer is the male version of it. And it's a 24K kettlebell, 53-pound kettlebell, and you have to do a single clean to press, a pistol squat, which is a single leg squat below parallel, and then you have to do a pull-up, a tactical strict pull-up um, with the bell around your waist. Um, and it's not a lot of people have done it. For, for men, it's a 48K bell, which is 106 pounds. And uh, I'll let you pick it up from there because I, I, I was so stoked. I got to be there when you, when you finally crushed it. Oh, that was like, it was the best that you were there. Just Oh my gosh, it just made me so happy. I couldn't, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe, I just couldn't believe you were there. It just made, it was amazing to have you and then Eric was there and then my brother was there going through his level one certification. And it was so funny before I went up to do it, he like looked at me and he was just like, you're gonna fucking do this. Like he was like mad, like if I didn't do it, like, I was like, shit, I'm going to have to answer to him later if I don't <laughs> succeed at this. I, he's going to kick my ass. So, um, and then one of our students, uh, Tracy, was there uh, from Iron Body. So it was just, I just felt like I had such incredible support, all these people who were so close to me. And yeah, it was awesome. Uh, but when I started training for that, that's when I started, um, I had started writing a blog. Uh, and I started to write about training for it and just the challenges that I had training for it. And, uh, and I found out, was it at that RKC? I can't remember. Maybe it was at that RKC. No, it must have been. I don't remember. There was some cert that I went, oh, no, it was like, no, it wasn't at that RKC. It was like a year later, I was assisting at a level two cert. And in 2013, and it was like it was actually my first Iron Maiden challenge attempt because I that did was in Philly, right? In Phil's. Yeah, I, I was assisting at that one as well, and Eric was assisting at that, I believe. Uh, no, he wasn't assisting at that one. No. Which one? No. Uh, oh, Eric was was wasn't Eric assisting in uh, uh, Boston? The yes, in Boston. The we all did together. Yeah. That was it. Yep. Okay. Um. But it was at that, at that level two RKC that I discovered that I was having an impact on a lot of women. And a lot of women were reading my blog because I had women coming up to me who I didn't even know. And there, they said, you know, they introduced themselves and they said, thank you so much for writing this and writing that. You helped me so much in my training. And, and it was like, oh my God, people are reading my blog. I couldn't believe it. You know, I just was putting that content out there because I like to write, I wanted to share, and I thought I would hope that my stories were going to help people. And, but I had no idea that people were writing, reading my blog. And that was like, oh my gosh, people are reading my blog and it is making a difference and it is helping people. And um, so that was, that was huge. That, I think that was like the first indication that I was actually, as a strength coach, making an impact globally, like beyond the people I was seeing day to day. And, um, and then I was starting to build a brand and starting to build a name in the business. And, um, but it took, because I, I started writing my blog in February 2012, and that was like in September of 2013. So it also shows, you know, for those, for people who are new in the industry, that it takes time. You know, I know people aren't really writing blogs now more. It's more of a uh, like a reality TV show culture we have and <laughs> yeah. like videos and like live thing, you know, that's more than people are more than people are reading blogs anymore. Um, and YouTube and all that. But, uh, but the point is that it does, it takes time. So it's like, you know, don't, don't give up, like keep at it, keep doing it. Um, and so then from there I completed the Iron Maiden challenge. And then from there, that's when I created my workshop. I'm not afraid to lift after after I completed the Iron Maiden challenge, because it was while I was training for the Iron Maiden challenge that I, I always knew that, you know, there was the, a, a lot of women out there are afraid to lift, whether they're afraid of how it's going to change their bodies or, or, or because they just don't know what to do. I knew that, but it became very um, evident when I was training, when I was my primary focus in my training for three years was on just getting really strong. And, um, so that's when I came up with my workshop, I'm Not Afraid to Lift, because I, I wanted to just continue to help women just to not be afraid to lift. So 
um, and just be, continue to help women as a strength coach in that in that arena. Um, so that's I came up with. I'm not afraid to lift, and then I started teaching it and became really successful. And um, yeah, and then uh, I don't know if do you want me to get into iron body and like well, closing the studio or let's let's talk about it i feel like i've been talking for a long time yeah like. <laughs> it's okay no it's good it's i think it's interesting because i think there's actually some big takeaways there and i know one of the things that i've struggled with i i don't have the level of reach that you that you do um and i know one of the things and and josh hankin spoke to me about the entire leadership team for dbrt is, is i can be inconsistent like this podcast is the most consistent thing in terms of putting material out um, mm-hmm. that I've done in a long time. And one of the things in, you know, you were there sort of like the earlier days of, I mean, fit, there were fitness blogs, but in terms of like it not being already sort of like a heavily branded thing, like just doing yeah. your own fitness blog that caught on. And you were always very uh, scheduled. Like, you know, I don't know if there was an exact release date, but you were very consistent in delivering material. And I know, yeah. I think a lot of us, including myself fall out is like, I'm going to throw out a bunch of stuff because I'm super motivated. And then maybe I'm not getting the return on it. And then there's other things I can focus my priorities and then it slides off. And then you try to do it again versus being consistently delivering like yourself or say like, uh, you know, Tony general core is like a great example of that consistently Mm. delivering material. Yeah. And when it catches on, because we do get caught up in, you know, the social media game of likes and shares and as mm. that is the only indicator of whether it's connecting with people and, and you learn more often than not that it's really not an indicator. Um, yeah, it's not always. Yeah, that's true. Even on my end, I'll just have people that'll come up before the podcast ever to be like, oh, I love that thing you're doing for DVRT. I love that piece, whatever. Um, mm. And with the podcast, it's interesting because, you know, I've only got like a, a handful of ratings. Um, you know, I, I have a you know small amount of subscribers and patrons, but you know, it's over 5,000 listens to over the, you know, I'm averaging 150 to 200 listens. Now that's not like, you know, uh, Joe Rogany in any way, but I really thought there'd be 10 out there. So that means there's a good number of people that I'm unaware of that yeah. are regularly checking in on the show. And my yeah. guests are very varied intentionally. So it's not just like I'm, I'm pulling from one pool of guests. And I think it's a good lesson for people to hang in there and try to create a realistic schedule of that, but that you can mm-hmm. schedule. Like it would be easy for me to try to like, oh, you know what? This podcast is going pretty cool. People seem to dig it. I don't make a lot of money out of it. I'm going to put two episodes out a week. And I'm like, nope, once is enough because I can yeah. consistently maintain this. And so far right. I haven't missed an episode. So I think that's something that you've done really well that I think is a lesson. If I think back on how I've put out content in the past, I think you're, a really good example of where that can go well for an individual. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, and you do, you have to, you have to be consistent and you have to be consistent even knowing that, you know, it's, it might take you a long time to see a return on that. You just have to keep putting it out there and, and you can just be once a day, you know, just making sure you're putting something out there once a day, you know, and when, it, in the beginning, when I, when I started doing that, I just did it because I wanted to share And it was, now it's much more acceptable to be online all the time and be posting regularly. But I did get, in the beginning, I did get resistance from colleagues about the fact that I was putting content out there all the time, whether it was videos on Facebook, because this was before Instagram was really um, popular. Uh, So it was more like videos and postings on Facebook and writing my blog. And I did have colleagues say to me, you know, well, you don't have to tell everyone everything that you're doing in your training. And I I did get some resistance from some people um, basically telling me, you know, like I'm showing off or it's (laughs) like, no, I'm just sharing information. I'm just sharing it. And people, we're humans. We want to learn from other people. We want to hear other people's stories so we can identify so we can know that we're not alone and we want to learn from people's stories and, and from their training so that we can do that too. But um, I did, there were people that were, that I got resistance from, which is very interesting to me, but me, I don't know what category that falls in. It falls in jealousy or. It's a, I, I would, yeah. I would say there's definitely some jealousy in there. Yeah. And I think, you know, our own egos go into there and, and, you know, 
it's it's kind of crazy to think about just going back, you know, six years ago when we met, how different the role of social media is, right? Like it's just yeah. very different for for the fitness professional or for any right. professional. But I would say the difference would be is this, because because I will I, I sometimes have issues where you know, you see somebody, male or female, who's incredibly strong, and all you see is the PRs or the PR attempts. And it doesn't provide, you know, an awareness builds and it gets tons of likes, but like, it doesn't show me any sense of what is their end goal other than slightly heavier here or how they train Mm -hmm. people, right? Yeah. So the way you provided content is, A, you had a goal. And I think as trainers, we all realize it's it's, it's way easier to get people to be consistently training towards a goal, whether it's a pull-up or press, whatever that might be, versus being Mm -hmm. like, we're going to try to lose three, exactly three pounds in this month right? So we can get a lot of good physical results training towards a goal. So you had a goal that is it's hard. You have to be strong. And for those that don't know Artemis in person, she's small. I mean that in the best way. She's strong as fuck, pound for pound. Yeah. But that 53 pounds on Artemis is very different than 53 pounds on a lot of other people. Just like you'll yeah. see some beast tamers that are like, clearly giants now mind you i feel for men at time the pull-up sends to balance that out sometimes but like artists yeah. you, you have to be one of if not the lightest person to have done that from a body weight perspective yeah so far i still i still am the lightest even if it's by a couple pounds yeah, yeah so you were seeing a goal happening and we're seeing <laughs> programming and training going towards it versus like check out this press again check out this mm-hmm. thing again and mm-hmm. that's the stuff that I get a little tired of personally, but I try to like remove my ego from it. Cause I know some of my first videos were all like, all right, like here's a heavy press. Here's a heavy press again. Here's kind of what I did about it. But I know, I think I fell into that category in the beginning too, versus actually mm-hmm. providing information that's useful. And I think you did that. And I've heard, you know, people present on things since that, you know, especially in talking about training women, is mm-hmm. I'm like Artemis has been doing that, you know, or that's part of this curriculum, or Artemis has been doing that. Like, but it's become part of what we do so much that we, sometimes mm-hmm. we're forgetting the sources of it. And yeah. it was weird because I know, you know, I, we're not going to go get into any like the darkness stuff of it, but I know you and I have had conversations about specific articles and blogs and people and groups that, like, fuck, it gets so political um, mm-hmm. or precious. Right. I yeah. think there was this point where everything was so precious and it, it, we can't keep it all that precious. Like people still are going to come to our courses because they need to learn stuff. Although like clearly it's all more accessible now than it ever has been. Like YouTube university, if you follow the right people is actually beneficial now. Whereas, you know, six years yeah. ago, it was kind of a nightmare. It was no man's life. Yeah. No woman's yeah. Yeah. All right. So you got the resistance, all that stuff came on. Um, I'm not afraid of lift is catching off. Let's, let's go take a step back now. Um, so you, you and Eric, who I love and congratulations on getting engaged. Like, thank you. Awesome. I'm very excited. You um, and so you, you, you've, you've opened it. What was the impetus to decide to move to the smaller location? Uh, the facility that we were in, it just, even right off the bat, when we moved into it, it was too, it was too big. It was just too much, but we were having where we were subleasing space and we had to get the hell out of the place that we were subleasing. Cause the man we were subleasing from was just, he's a looney tune. We laugh about it now, but <laughs> towards the end we had some, we were like, Ooh. so anyway, we had to get out of there. And so, and we wanted to have our own facility anyway but we were pressed for time to find something. We even had to, uh, we ended up renting space from um, someone I had gone to high school with at Nonantum Boxing in Nonantum, which is in Newton, Massachusetts, for about six weeks before we could get into our new facility because we needed to get out of the place we were subleasing because it was such a bad environment and we had so many challenges and we couldn't get into our new facility yet. So... Thank God for those guys. Oh my God. So anyway, we, that was like our temporary space. And, um, so we were there for six weeks. Then we, we went into this, into our first facility, which it was too big, but we were like, we had, we needed a space to train. And so we were like, all right, we're just, we got to make it work. And, um, the location was not ideal and it was in a, uh, in Needham, Massachusetts, which, uh, close to Needham Street, which is like a very industrial 
area. So there are some other gyms in that area, but I don't really know how well they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, anyway, it wasn't a great area and the space was just too big. And so um, we ended up finding two years later, yeah, it was two years later, we ended up finding a smaller space that was in a much more central location. And it was like, just like the space itself was just like perfect for us and perfect for the volume that we did. And so, um, so anyway, so we moved out of the the first location and we moved into to the new location. And we really wish we had had that second location right off the bat, but there wasn't anything like that available. We were looking for something like that from the beginning, but we, at that time, we couldn't find anything and we just, we needed to find something. That spot so kind was of awesome. Sat- that second it really spot was. was really cool. Like, oh, yeah. like I a, mean, the size was great and like the lighting and like the location because it was just right there on the street corner. It was, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Eric gets the gig of a lifetime. Yes. And then, so the last year, it, you know, the last year that we were in that facility and running our business, I was just traveling at least once a month, if not twice a month, speaking and teaching my lift workshop and then speaking at other uh, events like Perform Better and um, Fitness Revolution Nation. And I was doing a lot of that. And so I was getting to the point where I was pretty burnt out. And so, and then Eric was on at back at the studio, pretty much running that thing by himself, you know, I was doing what I could from afar, but he was pretty, he was running it by himself. And so I was getting pretty fried from all the travel and speaking. And then Eric was just getting fried from being by himself. And we, um, we had gone through a number of interns. We never seemed to find any, any, it's so hard to find good help. <laughs> and we went through a number of interns and we were just like, why is it so hard to find good people? Why is it so hard to find people who just want to work hard and like, aren't like, you know, who are willing to do their time and work hard and like, and even like, if I think of all the hours that I put in not getting paid and I still put in hours not getting paid, like there was just something about a, you know, I don't know if it's a generational thing or what, but anyhow, so it was just hard for us to find help for someone to be there with Eric while I was traveling. And then Eric was getting to the point, I think because he was getting fried that he was just like, you know what, I'm an athletic trainer. I got my master's in athletic training. I really miss my fields. I really miss my profession. I miss what I, I do for a living. And, you know, this has been a great segue for a few years, but I want to get back into it. And he had gone to the National Athletic Trainers Association conference that year, which he hadn't gone for a few years. And he had reconnected with his colleagues and, he, and that, just re, that just reaffirmed the fact that he missed what he was, his field and, and working as an athletic trainer. So he said, you know, I really want to get back into my field and I want to get back into athletic training. And I was like, all right, so let's, and we talked about the business and it's like, you know, is this something that we want to be doing in five years? And we were both like, no, <laughs> we don't want to be running a facility in five years. We, you know, we want to have, we want to have something that's more sustainable for us as a couple so we can have a better quality of life as a couple. And when we had put five years in, I mean, that's a solid amount of time. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, we'll start looking for a job and then we'll just, we'll go from there. You know, we, we did not plan to shut our business down that same year that we were having this conversation. We expected maybe two more years. You know, maybe at least one more year it would take him to find a job and, and for us to make the transition. We did not expect it to happen <laughs> right then and there. And, and it did. He was just one day. He started to look, and then he found this. <laughs> I remember I was, we were at home, and I was standing in the kitchen. And he was like in the, we had a shared kitchen living area. And he's, he's on his computer, and he's looking at jobs. And he said, what do you think about moving to Las Vegas? And I was like, What? <laughs> What are you talking about? He's like, well, there's this really great position for Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas. And he said, it's something different because he'd always worked in a colleg- the collegiate setting. So he said, it's something different than I had ever done before. I've ever done before. And it, it really interests me. And I was like, well, I don't know. Apply for it. We'll see what happens. And he applied for it. And then he called his, um, his old boss over at Boston University and to talk to him about the position and ask him if he knew anyone over at Cirque, if he knew anything about the organization. And his old boss at BU and knew the hiring manager. 
Wow. Over at Cirque for the position. Yeah. So then it, from there, everything just fell into place and Eric went through, it was an intensive interview process, but it just, it kept plugging along and, um, and I was like, oh, this is happening. Like this is happening. We have to start like making, we have to start to prepare to shut our business down and tell our clients and, and get ready to move and everything. Yeah. Amazing. So, so what's it like being yeah. in Vegas? You've been out there. How, how long have you been out there now? A year, a year now. Yeah, a little over a year. It's so crazy. I can't believe it's been a year. Because I feel like this all happened about, what, like within six months of me being out there for DVRT, I think. Like it was pretty quick. Yeah, you were out there in September 2015. So it was about a year. It was a year. About a year. Oh, I but that's 20, it. I think 2015, pretty, I keep thinking 2016, but it was 2015. It's pretty quick, though. I mean, if you think about it, a year's not a long time. And, and what are the main things? So with, with your involvement with Cirque, what, what's mostly your training business now in addition to the workshop? So when I moved out here, I applied for um, a strength coach position with Cirque. They call it performance conditioning specialist. It's a really long name. <laughs> but so I just say strength coach, just so much easier. Um, so I applied for that and I ended up getting a part-time position. So I worked part-time for Cirque. And then I also, um, and then I have my online training business and I have my workshops. And then as a team leader for, for uh, Strong First, I, I teach kettlebell courses. So that is the bulk of my business. And I started going to this, uh, so I met, uh, last March, I led a team at the Strong First Level One certification in Los Angeles, and I met a woman by the name of Gabriella Walters. She was a student on my team, and um, she's from Las Vegas. And so we connected there, and she said, "You know, I own a Pilates studio back in Vegas. You should come by and see me." And I said, "Okay, yeah, I will." So I went, and I found out it was only like a mile from where we were renting because we just moved into a house a few weeks ago, and. Um, so I've been going to her Pilates studio. She teaches hot Pilates. It's her own curriculum that she came up with. It's Pilates mat and, um, and cycling classes. So I started going to that studio. And so I went through her teacher training for Pilates. So oh, I am wow. now teaching Pilates for her, which is, which I think, you know, Pilates gets a really bad rap in the strength coach world, which is ridiculous because I'm like, it, it, what that indicates to me is that people, these people who are giving it a bad rap have never taken Pilates before because the whole first half of the class is all glute bridges and core work. Like you're doing McGill crunches and glute bridges and planks and prone work and clams. And I'm like, this is shit that we do is like, if you're a good coach, like you're doing this with your clients anyway. So if Pilates, I don't understand why Pilates is getting a bad rap. And then the whole like yeah. second half of it is just, you know, you go through a body weight circuit that just to you know, burn some calories and, and you can use dumbbells if you want and stuff like that. But it's like, anyway. Yeah, so I I've think been a, teaching. Lot, a lot of that happens, I think, just because we don't know. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes it, it comes from, you know, when, 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 when you're teaching a course. And, you know, I'm sure you've had this too when you're trying to explain, like, the methodology, say, of Strong First or, you know, the RKC on my end, which is, you know, the same. And yeah. someone counteracts with, well, my Pilates instructor or my yoga instructor or my something other. Like, I think it's sometimes it's a little bit of that, like we don't know and someone's, yeah. instead of like trying to actually have an informed conversation to discuss the matter, someone just be, an instructor or a person just goes like, well, I'm right and they're wrong versus like, we're all trying to do really similar things with different approaches, yeah. more or less. So I think that's where that resistance comes in. I, I want to ask you, what's it like though, when you go from, working with gen population or even on the collegiate level to, to people like Cirque performers, which are high level to like the most extremes in terms of yeah. strength, flexibility, mobility, stability, like, I mean, like on all fronts, uh, you know, depending on what their skill set is, but you're working with really unique high performers. What's that like? Uh, it's, they're really amazing at some things and then you, and then sometimes it's like you just having them go through some basics and you're like, wow, I need to help you learn how to hinge, <laughs> you know? So, uh, like I love, I love to give the example of the contortionist because, um, they, they are very strong in their upper body and, you know, you could have them do push-ups all day long and handstand push-ups all day long, whatever. 
but their lower body, they have like, it has been my experience with contortionists since I've been working with them, that they are lacking in lower body awareness in terms of how to squat, how to hinge, how to even do a side lunge, like things like that. So, um, and then you have like over at the show, oh, there's, um, there's a whole group of Olympic swimmers and, you know, they've spent their life lifting. So they come in and they like, you know, they're doing like back squats and like barbell hip thrusts. And so they're like, that's like, they're like a different group. They know how to lift when they come in. Um, but it just, it depends like more in the acrobats and the contortionists, like you get, and even dancers, even the dancers, like they know how to lift, right? They have like more body awareness, like overall body awareness and, um, and they can if they don't, if they haven't done something in strength training before, like they catch on pretty quickly. But, uh, but though, but I find that like contortionists and acrobats who are really like focused on just like that craft, they have some gaps when it comes to just basic lifting. Uh, so that, that's, it's, it's been interesting. It's been it's, really, really interesting. It's and then you also have to be careful, like, like, okay, yes, they need to work on this, but you don't want to smoke them because these people are going in and doing 10 shows a week, sometimes 12 if they have, because occasionally they have a six-day work week because they do two a night. They do one at 7 and 9.30 around that time. So ten, like, that's a shit yeah. ton of volume, you know? So you can't, you just have to do just enough to help them and maybe like a little bit of soreness like in the beginning, but you can't smoke them because they have to be able to do their job. Well, I just love a that for the first time ever we're talking about strength training differences with contortionists. Like the fact that that sentence came out of your mouth is amazing. <laughs> so that this is, that's a, a PR for this podcast. So I'm stoked on that. Uh, I think maybe a workshop for contortionists. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just charge three thousand dollars because for the yeah. five people you get but uh yes. i think that's really cool and, and it, the interesting thing when you when you work with that is like you do have to watch out for how you fatigue them out because they're going to do and depending on you know contortionists and you know this is something with dancers as well like or, or even athletes you have to be careful sometimes like if you eliminate or balance them out completely how we might work at like a gen pop person you might actually take part of the skill away that makes them exceptional like, yeah. there's always that weird line of, like, you know, if I were to, like, FMS this thing, it might not be looking bad. But then if I do this other thing that, like, on paper looks better, it might help remove the actual thing that makes you throw faster or bend more. <laughs> I've never had yeah. to think of it that way. But, well, uh, like, if you look at, um, it's aerialists tend to have, and like this is a theme amongst aerialists that they don't want their lower bodies, they don't want to build too much mass in their legs and in their lower body because they don't want it to make them heavy, yeah. like to do aerial hoop. Um, so it's like, it's that balance of like, okay, well they need, you know, it's important for them to be strong because when they leave their job and when they leave the training room, they need to make sure that they're reducing their, their risk for injury. But you also don't want to take away from what they're doing every day in their job. So you don't want to make them too heavy and, and or too, I shouldn't say heavy, that's a terrible word. Um, uh, you don't want to make them, have them build too much mass. Just strong enough, but just like not, you know, not like powerlifting, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's something wrong, wrong necessarily saying heavy when it comes to somebody that has to hold themselves up the whole time, right? It is a different yeah. reality versus, you know, um, walking down the street using the word heavy i know i, I was i was they need more endurance and speed and right yeah. they have to be able to like move quickly and and have you know that endurance yeah i was doing some i was gonna i was i was talking with a, a local rock climbing gym about doing a program there we i, I ended up deciding I, I wasn't gonna pursue it but one of the things i didn't realize with climbers is there's no pressing and climbing it's all pulling Right. So it's all pulling. So for them, they try to stay light so that they can hold themselves up. Same, same thing. Like they don't want to get big, yeah. but yeah. I would have thought thinking from an original strength perspective, all the contralateral stuff, all the hand eye, all the grip strength that like, you know, they probably have like the strongest shoulders in the world, but apparently that's like a massive issue with climbers because they're constantly only pulling. No one's ever pushing. So mm. one of the things that we talked about with the the fitness manager there was like, how do we incorporate kettlebells into that? Which is very straightforward. Uh, I'm going to blow the secret out for anybody. Uh, presses and get-ups will do wonders for clients. See, it's not so precious. Um, but 
I think that's one of the things that gets lost where we, with everybody, there's a certain level of foundational exercises and movements we should do that would really benefit everybody. But then yeah. when we start getting a specialization or goal oriented, like what's going to fit what their goal is, but also when it is a career thing that's so specific, I mean, that is about a specific set of skills as you can have. That's like Liam Neeson and Taken having a specific mm -hmm. set of skills um, to do all the good and none of the harm. Right? <laughs> like you've taken my daughter, I have a specific set of skills. I'm gonna bend myself over in half backwards and creep you out until you let my daughter go. That's like Liam Neeson contortionist skills. <laughs> so and welcome to the Coach Tree Podcast. <laughs> well, hey, let's switch gears because time is running and, and, and you and I have a, a little bit of a heart out. We're gonna have to have like a, a round two with Artemis uh, in the near future. But one of the things I wanted to talk about, so uh, this episode is the fourth of, uh, of a month, four in a row uh, of women in fitness. And we've had a nice gamut of, of coaches, um, fitness enthusiasts, uh, presenters and with yourself. And I think it's been interesting in line in how things have lined up with like, say Amanda Wheeler from MFF, who was on a while ago. Um, there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of differences. And we're, we're in a place where what I loved about your workshop, it was, uh, it, the mission statement of is empowering for women to train. And it's not necessarily just women specific, but it creates that space that's create the mindset that we can lift. And mm -hmm. if I connect the dots, and I hope people do this in some of these courses, is like, you know, Amanda Wheeler would talk about how, like, you know, for the most part, any program at MFF or Information Strength, like, guys could do the same program and vice versa. We're going to excel potentially differently on what, certain exercises than the others, but, like, they don't have to be that differently, that different. Mm -hmm. And then Amanda Thebe, who deals with a lot of, um, you know, over 40-year-old um, women, people going through hormonal changes, addressing, mm -hmm. like, you know, true pelvic floor, core issues, hormonal issues, and how that affects. But again, the programs aren't necessarily that different. What are you mm -hmm. finding as, as one of the first leaders that I found, uh, you know, not just amongst my friends, as a standout women in fit, woman in fitness, um, one of the big trends that are happening right now that you see as positive for where women's fitness is being viewed. And I, we have to keep this sort of insular to like, the true progressive round of women's fitness. Cause unfortunately we still have like the Gwyneth Paltrow bullshit on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, you know, like starve yourself, get longer, you know, like you somehow you're going to come out of a class four inches longer. taller. Um, but, but where do you see in terms of like the, the, the realm of fitness that we live in a positive trend for women that's happening? I think strength training for women is gaining traction and getting getting strong the theme of getting strong for women is really gaining traction and uh women are you know for example i think women love brett Contreras. they like love like hip thrusts they love like they're sort of, they're starting to love like working their their lower body in that way using the barbell even if it's just for hip thrusts uh, but also just generally um these powerhouses like Marissa Inda and Steffi Cohen, these powerlifting powerhouses who are out there and they're just like lifting crazy amounts of weight. I think they're becoming very, very popular and women are gravitating towards that and, and training for strength and just becoming really strong, which um, I didn't when, you know, I think six years ago when we first met is a good is a good gauge, but that really wasn't um, a popular, uh, that wasn't, quite so popular yet yeah I, I, I think what, that's a good trend. what's been interesting and, and in hindsight i'm gonna give a lot of credit to strong first sfl program on this was you know when mm -hmm. you and i got into kettlebells there was a lot of like kettlebell people rkc sfg whatever like we basically were like we're kettlebell people like a lot mm -hmm. and you know a lot of us would do like trx i know for me i had ultimate sandbags and indian clubs but it was like when when the sfl was created i think it really gave pobbles permission to everybody to go back to the bar and I think that yeah. was missing for a little while at the early days of the popularity of it. And by early days, I, I mean, you know, you and I were getting into it. It was already like, you know, eight years, almost 10 years deep into the RKC. But I think yeah. that did open up like all of a sudden like a lot of barbell, right? Like it became mm -hmm. okay to deadlift, squat, and bench. Um, yeah. Where for a long time, it was just all about like kettlebell, 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 kettlebell. And I thought that was yeah. cool. And maybe sometimes I think we've almost gone too far on the opposite end of that spectrum where like everyone's got a power lift. And I think there's that difference mm. between, you know, self goals of going heavy and 
competing to go heavy versus like what's yeah. actually like a gen pop person like how heavy does that person need to go but right. i would say that that's been an interesting trend that i'm sure you, i mean you're one of the examples of this like getting women to love to deadlift heavy you know mm-hmm. when, when, when someone suddenly pulls their weight it's huge you know yep. or, or starts to get like that one and a half times you know uh deadlift it, it's kind of an amazing thing to see and you were one it's of again, a, a pioneer in like you know women doing pull-ups you know a lot of people didn't think it was like a a doable thing like it was one of the most self-limiting mentally self-limiting things versus like all right let's just be really patient and 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 spend the time doing it and, and work towards this yeah yeah well, i think I, it's, it's good because like you know crossfit was so prevalent for a while and then now i think over the past couple of years it's taken a back seat and powerlifting is has kind of resurfaced a little bit more so i think there's a little bit more balance yeah. out there because it was just a little bit too crossfit saturated when it the and i still get it today people look at me they're like do you do crossfit i know they just assume because i'm fit and i have muscle like and i that i do no i don't and i'm not bashing crossfit i think there's a lot of good things about crossfit i'm just saying like it's not the only thing out there um but it's what was very familiar to people. But now I think that's taking a little bit more of a back seat and barbell lifting and power lifting is, is becoming, is coming back into the forefront. And now things are a little bit becoming a little bit more balanced and, and it's acceptable for women to be in, in all arenas there. And I think that's really positive. Yeah. I think the good benefit of that is um, a, I do think there's a lot more, there's a lot better level of CrossFit coach as, as it's been around longer now, like the facilities mm-hmm. that stand out, like usually if it's a bad facility, like any gym, there's enough of a reputation around it now where people be like, that won't be the one to go to. So you find some right. really good, good coaches for that. But I also think fortunately through, you know, kettlebell land and, 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 and that rise of powerlifting that's happening. And, you know, Hankin certainly in his programming mm-hmm. is that respect of programming is really, I think, appreciated more now than it has been in the past as opposed to here's a random workout here's a random selection of exercises that are going to leave you feeling tired and beat up versus like here's an actual purposeful thing that we're going to start here and over the course of the next three months go here and then over the next six months go there um and I think the and barbell. Six months, you'll be snatching a burly bag over your head the way Jess Spento does, and like doing some like rotational <laughs> side lunge. Right. Okay, we need to have a whole other podcast just talking about like <laughs> the beast in Jess Bento. Okay. Yeah, uh, so. she, she's <laughs> coming on the show. We Every time I like go on Instagram, I'm like, what? The, how? How big is that bag? What is happening? Yeah, and the complexity level of some of the stuff. What I love when you watch Jess's videos and and Josh as well is, you know, DVRT, Ultimate Sandbag Training. um, Artemis is a certified level two instructor. Um, She hosted me out there. We had a great time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for those that haven't taken it, I I will say this. This is the only sales pitch I'm going to do in terms of this specific episode. Is like, you know, a lot of kettlebell people be like, I already invested in kettlebells. I don't need that. And they are so different. And one of the cool things was getting to come out and teach at your place but then have you and Eric both go through it was you got to see the value not just in the sandbag but also in the system and how we're approaching Mm it um and I think it really does round out all of your capabilities like if you have a kettlebell and and again I don't have barbell stuff anymore at home because I just I I don't um I have workarounds and I don't think that's probably my least priority in terms of how I personally train but if you have kettlebells a barbell ultimate sandbags maybe a trx like there is really no one that's going to come into your room that you can't serve Uh, you don't even need I mean I shouldn't but you don't even need a barbell like if you don't have room for a barbell you don't need it like kettlebells sandbags trx you're like you're good to go I fully agree that's That's what what most people need to be working with that's what I've got here. And it, it, I haven't been missing it, you know, I, other than my own personal, like love yeah. of the bar. Um, that's an emotional thing more than like a goal oriented thing for me. Mm-hmm. I'm emotional about the bar sometimes Artemis. Hey, let, yeah, let's I be uh, negative Nellies for a mo- moment. What, what do you think is like a negative thing that's happening in fitness right now that um, again, kind of within our sphere of fitness that it, you would love to see that ship turn around a little bit. In our sphere, well, does it have to be related to women or? No, it doesn't need to be. No, no. Uh, I mean, I think. 
So, well, and, I, and it's always been out there, but I do, um, I, I, women and men do too, using their, their bot, like using, because social media is so, is so prevalent, just like using their bodies for, for whatever, for, you know, just like their whole, you, you go to someone's social media page and it's all their abs, they're doing their morning ab pics all the time. Um, you know, I'd, I'd rather see social media pages where that like it's someone teaching you something, you know, and that's fine once in a while to show like, okay, well, and I lift and like, these are the results or have there be a reason to it. So, I, um, you know, like I don't have a million followers cause I don't, I'm not into the soft porn business on Instagram. You know, that's just not my thing. It never has been. It never will be. But for some people, it is their thing. And, but sometimes it's a little bit too much of their thing. So I would rather see people putting out content that's more useful to people than, than like just, you know, just showing off their ass all the time. Um, so that, that really bugs me. I, that still bothers me. It's not going anywhere. We're humans. People like to see flesh. I get it. Um, well, we, we have to be really honest I- about that, right? So, like, here's the thing. I'll, I'll be the one to call this out. And this would be, I'd say this for women and for guys, but I think women certainly get this darker. Like, if you're really posting up all that stuff and getting all those followers, yeah, I'm just going to throw it out there. It, it, it's because a lot of people are jerking off to you. Like one way or another, like it does become like soft porn. And I, I, I just think that becomes like the safe one where someone can thumb through their phone versus like dispensing information. Cause like literally how many ass shots are needed to prove that you, it's just like what I was saying, like, whether it's like, check out my new bend press, check out my new bend press, check out my new bend press. It's like, check out my ass, check out my ass, check out my ass. Like you're trying to attract a specific type of follower. That's probably not going to hire you for fitness person, you know, fitness stuff. That's when we yeah. start chasing followers and maybe getting influencer money versus actual coaching yeah. money. And I yeah. think it has to be taken. And, and, and I think that goes both ways. I don't think that's just the women only thing. Like, I, you know, I think there's a lot of dudes looking at pictures of dudes um, and women mm-hmm. looking at pictures of dudes sort of the same way um, yeah. it, where it's, it's, it's sexualized. And, and we're in this state right now where I think we're all struggling to try to find that line of like, what's, what's safe and what's overly sexualized, and yet we're still using these things as a marketing angle. It's a really confusing time to be clear, try to market, um, and be fair, um, because we're, we're all in this process of having to like really take a look at how we've been, we've been doing stuff or processing things. And for the consumer, you know, it's, it's just, it's so saturated. The fitness industry is so saturated. And for the consumer who doesn't know a lot, they say, okay, well, this person has a lot of likes and followers and they look good. So they must be a good coach, but that's not the case because they are like, no, it's like, just because you look good and you, and you have, you have all these happening good pictures on your, on your Instagram feed and you have like a million followers. It doesn't mean that you are a good coach. It doesn't mean that you could, you know how to help people like for real. It's so, so true. So true. So that, I think that's where, like, I think at the end of the day, that's why I get like, I'm like, that's why that bothers me. Um, yeah. You just have to like, I just have to keep doing what I'm doing the way I like, I feel authentic and comfortable doing and that's it. You know? that, that's the thing. All, all we can do to really counteract this is be the things we don't want to be right? Like be who we want to be yeah. and not fall into those categories. Um, yeah. Mind you, I'll never be an ab model. Um, but it's, it's, it is one of those things where, you know, in DVRT land in particular, I mean, we've all seen crazy kettlebell videos where you're like, holy, what, what is that person doing? And yet it gets like a million likes, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's, yeah, it might even look cool, but if people start trying that at home, you got to go like, really, what is this actually doing? And, and is the risk yeah. versus the reward? And, and that falls into this too, because that's like, you have these social media, there's some social media influencers out there in the fitness industry who I'll, I'll see them post a video and I'm like, what the hell is happening? What? Yeah. what? Like, no one should be doing that. But then people will try to do it. It's like some crazy circuit that completely makes me dizzy and want to pass out. But I'm, and I'm like, none of that should be happening. But people love it, and they're all and over it, and they're saving you, and they're trying it home, and then they hurt themselves, and then they're going to you, you read the comments, and somebody, like, tags a friend and says, we're doing this at lunch tomorrow. Like, there was one. And, and, like, and don't I, do it at lunch. And I hate to say it. It was through a, a popular magazine. I, I'm, I'm not going to name it because, who knows, maybe one day they'll have, have me on it. Fuck it. It was Shape Magazine posted this video of, like, working out at your desk. 
and the woman is incredibly strong, but she's literally doing like splits assisted one leg up on her rolling desk chair, right? So she's angled one foot on the floor going into a split, like, uh, like, uh, like an extended forward split, not, not, a not a Van Damme split. And okay. I'm like, really the risk on that for gen pop people that tend to sit all day that's the selection of exercise now she's probably way smarter than me probably has way more experience than me but i'm, I'm just looking at like i'm gonna look at the specific choice and it tears everything down to me like why would you ever put that out you're proving that you can do something you know it's almost like going into your contortionist land that like a small percentage yeah. of this population can do safely but you've just put that out as a desk workout for anybody right. like it's crazy yeah. And I think that is where finding this line between usable content, applicable content, and trying to make your name stand out is really hard. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, magazines um, in and of themselves have always struggled to find their safe spot versus, you know, like actually having steak with the sizzle um, versus, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to, you know, flat out like, no, like when, when I was trying to learn swings uh, just with a dumbbell, I wouldn't even say I was trying to learn swings. I saw like this thing called the swing with the dumbbell. And now I'm like, mm -hmm. holy crap, like I would never try that. Um, but it was a thing and people are looking to fill pages and people are looking to create content. So it becomes easier to fill with this stuff. Um, but no, I think that was like a really great thing to hear from you, Ar Artemis. It was like, coming from a woman's perspective, I think dudes could even talk about we're oversaturated on, on any front of ass models, right? Uh, you know, Lululemon's getting more money than any trainer out of that stuff, you know, for, you know, whatever tight company of the day um, versus actually applicable content. You know, for me, I think, you know, the social media thing is really weird. It's like, I kind of like, if there's a negative side of it, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, is, is I, I wish we could just focus more on training people again a little bit, like just like, have it either in the room or online and not worry so much about that grander public thing. Now, when you have workshops like you and I that you're trying to fill, you need to have an outward presence. When you do online training, you have to have an outward reach. So there's, there's demands that happen with that. But I feel like everybody feels this need to do that to establish themselves. And quite frankly, if you're at a big box gym and you're a relatively new trainer, just be the best trainer training members of that big box gym you'll get more people than like Instagram likes. It will equate to more dollars. Um, I'm saying that as someone who's trying to fill his own business now, finally running classes out of my place. Like, you know, I, I've never had a membership that I could try to walk away from. And now I'm building one. And yeah. the Instagram is helping make some awareness of it. But my teaching gigs and who I've taught for, I think have helped solidify me more than if I had just done social media stuff of kettlebell swings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because people know how the kind of coach you are in person, and that's totally different than being, that can be totally, you know, for a lot of people, like, people are really good online, but they, there are trainers out there who are really good online, but they just are not good in person as a coach. So <laughs> they can make, or they seem like they're good coaches online, and then you get them in person, they're like, you're like, oh boy. Yeah, yeah and I'd also say if, if, for anybody who's like thinking about putting out content, especially in the video format, have somebody you respect look at it before you put it out. Because the one thing that I'm seeing is, is people are putting out stuff that's like, you know, in video land, nobody's video proofreading. That, does this make sense? Am I being clear? Is this technique even good? Like, let's take a moment and actually make sure we're putting out really good stuff so that it counts. Now, look, not everyone's going to be a winner. But like, there should be a baseline of, is this a, a, a seven out of 10 versus like, I'm just throwing out a four today when it comes mm -hmm. to technique, because people are going to try to copy it. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're going to need to wrap this up in a minute, but I want to ask you a question. So you, you became a, a strong first team leader what, two years ago? Yes. Yeah, it was, yes. Same, it was the same yeah. year I think I came out. What was it like stepping out to lead your team for the first time, to lead a cert for the first time? must have been uh, fucking amazing. It was. It was really cool. It was, it was amazing. But I kept, you know, I kept thinking in my head, though, because I didn't want to be, I was just like, this is what I do all the time with my workshops. It's just a different environment. So, uh, but what was different was, like, you had these, these, these students who were, like, this certification was so important to them to complete it. So I really took it personally that, like, I, you know, I, I think I just had 
two people who didn't pass that day um, on my team, which was I, I thought was pretty damn Great. good. Um, out of all, I can't remember how many people I had on my team, but it was, um, so yeah, I, I really took it to heart that I just wanted everyone on my team to be successful that weekend and really to have, even if they didn't pass that day, just have a really great experience that weekend. That was so important to me that they walked away and they were like, that was a life changing experience. And, and I wanted them to feel like I was a good team leader to them, that I helped them. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't want anyone to, which you can't please everyone, but that was, that was my goal. Just that everyone walked away feeling like that I was very helpful to them all weekend, that all of my assistants were helpful to them, that they got what they needed that weekend to get through that weekend, whether they passed, whether they, they left with a certificate or not that day. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really, it was great. It was That's fun. awesome. I'm, I'm really proud of you. It's been really cool, you know, over the years seeing so many of us as friends come up and, 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 and get to like lead the room, you know? Uh, and for those that always wonder about like, how do you get these leadership positions? Cause you know, we get that, we, we get asked that a lot. It's we've assisted and we've offered up a lot of free time to get better and to really, you know, as an assistant, you research and get tested, get critiqued and you know, keep getting sharper and sharper. And you also get to see all the great teachers present the material and you absorb it, you know, on a very different level than going through it once or twice. Um, but I, yeah. I'm stoked for you and, and for so many of our friends that have sort of come up through either group to, to grab spots. It's really cool to see where we started out assisting together six years ago and get to teach. So mm -hmm. high fives on that. Um, right. We're going to need to wrap this up. Artemis, I love you. Um, can you tell, people you, where to, you tell people where to find you? Yes. So uh, my website, ironbodybyartemis.com, I have updates on my workshop there. And there's registration links there. And, and also, there's also information about online training. And then I, we just moved into a new house a few weeks ago. And um, we're setting up our garage. It's super nice as a home training facility. So I'm actually going to start to run a women's small group out of my garage awesome. in a couple weeks. So all the information's on my website. And then I am most active on Instagram, which is um, my handle is at iron body by Artemis. And I'll, I'll post tips and things about my workshops and whatever I'm doing um, on Instagram. And I usually link to my Facebook page, but I'm most active on Instagram. Fantastic. And those are the best places to find me. Yep. Sweet. Hey, Artemis, mm -hmm. um, can you tell the listeners to die mighty? Die mighty, die mighty <laughs> listeners. Well, I was hey. just like, I, I posted in my, I posted in my Instagram story because I was like getting my coffee, getting ready to talk to you. I was like, I really need a Godzilla mug. I just, I need it just the Godzilla mug. Like the, I had no appropriate mug to prepare for this conversation. So I, I commented, have, yeah. I have it here, but I don't share it. <laughs> I have one Godzilla mug, but it's not leaving here. It's actually, it's too big of I'll a mug. I'll find one. It's too big of a mug. I'm afraid to have too much coffee. Is it, are you just like two-handed on that mug? From the movie, yeah. Um, Artemis, thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome catching up. Um, it has been a while since we've actually gotten to hang out. And, you know, I love yeah. that we always used to run into each other more often. And I got to get uh, your fiancé on, on this podcast, too. Please send him my love. Yeah. Um, Hey, listeners. He has some really good stories. So, yeah, you got to get him on here. Yeah, I definitely want to catch up with Eric as well. Yeah, it's been it's how it's been different for him. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, listeners, if you want to find out more about me, visit CoachFury.com. Uh, classes in Brooklyn, personal training, online training, my own courses coming up. Check that stuff out. If you want to support this podcast, head over to Patreon. Sorry, better pronunciation patreon.com slash coach fury podcast that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash coach fury podcast and you become a patron and donate like a buck or two an episode whatever you want to do it just helps support the show and uh you know i'm looking into buying some gear for the show so i can take this a little bit more on the road versus the sort of video conferencing software i'm doing i want to be able to like when i go teach actually bring mics with me and, and, and talk to people more directly that way. So uh, if you dig the show, hook a brother up, go visit all of Artemis' stuff. Uh, thanks, as always, to the FTW for the heavy metal music, for Glenn Urieta, who is now will have done 24 Godzilla-themed podcast pieces of art. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you, Glenn. And for Ridge Carpenter, who uh, did the Die Mighty logo, which is going strong. Um, 
Thanks for listening to everybody. This is episode 24. Stay tuned for next week. And Artemis, uh, yeah, we need to hang more. Hopefully I'll get out for DVRT land or something to Vegas so we can hang since Definitely. everyone's in the same town now. I know. All right. cool. Later. Thank you. Talk to you later. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by yours truly, Steve, Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the ftw.nyc.com for band, album, tour, and merchandise information. And the artwork is created by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or on Instagram, at Glenn Urieta. Thanks, everyone.